G'day. It's 4.20 on Sunday afternoon, and like a lot of you, I'm probably in a little bit of shock that Andrew Simons is no longer with us. Similar to when we all lost Warney, it just doesn't seem to make a great deal of sense. And if you love cricket or sport in Australia, you love Roy, so I'm sure a lot of people are feeling the same way. Um, There's a bit of a flat start, isn't it? Um, I think you can gauge by this that this is not a typical Howie Games. There's no script we're working off here. There's no editing. This is There's no pre-planning, obviously. This is just a conversation between me and a bloke I'm lucky enough to consider a really good mate who's also a very famous cricketer by the name of Adam Gilchrist. Um, it's pretty raw. It's not a typical media production there's no thought this is just too there's no understating too it's i'm not interviewing gilly i'm not understating a relationship or overstating a relationship with roy except the fact that i've worked with him for seven or eight years and he was just a wonderful man to be around and i think that's the idea of this podcast it's gilly and i chatting and celebrating a bloke we both called a mate gilly can take us behind the scenes into what Roy was like as a cricketer and between the both of us we can probably tell you a few stories about Roy as a bloke that make me smile. I don't know how you're all feeling about this but the whole aim of this conversation is that if you make your way through it, it will make you smile and laugh when you think about Andrew Simons because Roy was one of the great blokes. The new batsman is Andrew Simons. He goes high again. That is a massive six, and it is out of the ground by a long, long way. Simons finds the gap, and he brings up his maiden shield century, and deservedly so. A lot of pressure on this young man, and he has delivered the goods today. A good shot. Very good shot. Boy, what a powerhouse he is. Shot. That's Andrew Simon's best, a genuine half-volley burst. Oh, so strong. Monstrous strike again from Simon. That could well be it. That will be it. That is a brilliant one-day hundred for Andrew Simons. His first for Australia. That particular innings was, was life-changing for me as a player because I now had proof and I now had a method to how to go about scoring my runs. And he's hit that straight down the ground. That's a great hit. Oh, that's a beauty. That has gone all the way for six. Andrew Simons is taking the Pakistanis to pieces. He's been waiting for one of these for a long, long time. It races him to 96. That's the way, Simo. Get through the 90s quickly. Collingwood comes on and I thought, mid on, mid off, up. I'm thinking... If he does slip one up there, I think I'm going to have to take him over the top. And sure enough, three balls later, yeah, I've got one in my arc. He has it! Andrew Simons has it! And what a way to get it! A maiden test match hundred for a dream entertainer. Later on that night, I'm in the dressing room there, I'm having a drink, and I'm thinking, I look across at Haydos, and he's got this huge red mark on his forehead. I said, what happened to you? He goes, it was you, dickhead. When you got your 100, you crushed my helmet onto my head that hard. You give me a bit of blood blister on his forehead. <laughs> you beauty! 
notes. Sunday in Melbourne, uh, I was working late last night, so got home, turned my phone off, went to sleep, and uh, oh, Adam Gilchrist is here with me. Gilly, I woke up at oh, probably not till quarter past eight. I had a late night with work, and I turned my phone on, and it started beeping. Um, and then I saw two missed calls from you, and I just say at the start that this will not be a normal podcast. This is obviously pretty raw to a lot of people with Roy's passing. So Gilly and I are just going to have a chat and see how we go. And I had a message from you, mate, and it just said, fuck, fuck. And I thought, oh, what's going on here? So I straight away jumped on a news website to see if I could make any sense of it. So I had a lot of messages on my phone and it said that Andrew had passed away in a car accident. Um, and it just took me back to where we were, buddy, a couple of months ago with, with the king, mate. And, you know, we talked about that. And now here we are again, mate, another teammate and really close mate of yours and someone that I'm lucky enough to call a buddy through work. <laughs> Fuck, mate, we're, we're, we're sitting here again, mate. Yeah, mate, it is, it is just still feels, oh, I just, I don't know how you find it, mate. Uh, again, it's just weird that we are in the same space mentally, emotionally, um, I, I fluctuating in and out of the fact that, it has happened and then the, that sort of unrealistic feeling that maybe it is a dream, maybe it's not right, it just doesn't seem fathomable, does it? Um, no. You know, I'm throwing, throwing to that Cambo uh, who just three days ago I recorded a podcast from a radio show with him just saying, I'm so thankful to be talking to you, mate, and we thought these things happened in threes and thankfully that it wasn't you, but, I just, yeah, um, can't. He's just going to be so missed, isn't he? He's just going to be so missed. He's just so many, so many things to so many people, but he was just as loyal and as fun-loving <laughs> a person uh, who would do anything for you that you could ever hope for. And, yeah, I, I know within five minutes I'll probably be in, um, in tears at the moment at, at talking about it with you. Howie, who is as good a friend uh, as I've got as well, I just can't believe that we're losing these guys that had such a global profile, but then you stop and think, we're actually starting to lose friends, really good friends, and there's no rhyme or reason to it. I just don't get it. Yeah. I I don't get it. I said to Erica that, you know, I had all the messages and normally I'd think, oh, I'd actually said to E, um, if I had all these messages on my phone, I'd be like, oh, what's happened? Something really cool has happened. But since Warnie, I heard the messages and I saw your messages and I immediately had a negative thought. Um, and I said to this to you that we, we just need to get on and chat about the bloke because and celebrate him and hopefully put a smile on a few people's dials when they when they hear this. Um, I, I said to you, mate, we were at, we were at work last night. Shit, like 18 hours ago and we do a late night show on Fox now. And anyone that's listening, I want them to think about this. Um, on footy commentary, I often talk about a bloke, his bum's on seats. So you would pay to watch that footballer play. And then, you know, cult hero, we all know what a cult hero is, that sort of bloke or girl that pops up and for whatever reason people are attracted to them. And then the third term I always use is a heart and soul player. So you got your bums on seats, you got your cult hero, and you got your heart and soul. And I said to the people I was working with last night, Kath Lochnan, who we both know and love, Nathan Buckley, John O'Brien, Nick Rewald, our boss, Steve Crawley, 
I'm not sure I can name an AFL player that is those three things, that you'd pay to see play because they're bums on seats, that they are heart and soul of their football club yeah. and that they are a cult figure. I don't think – I think it's a unicorn. It doesn't exist. And <laughs> they threw 45 minutes of these at McGilly and the rare athlete was two, but we couldn't find a three. And then bloody Nick Revolt, who, as you know, loves his cricket, mm. he said, I've got one. I've got one. This is last night at 8.30. He said, Andrew Simons. And we all just said, he was bums on seats, yes. He was the heart and soul of the team, yes. He was a cult hero. And we were just cheering <laughs> because we had we had come with one. And I think that's why it's important for people to be able to listen and celebrate the bloke because he was, like you said, he was so many things to so many different people. He ticked those boxes that everybody, everybody bloody loved Roy. <laughs> Yeah, uh, absolutely. It's a it's a it's a fair representation, <laughs> Roy, to say that those three things for him to tick it off. Um, oh, mate, you, you've probably spoken to Crawls already, as you mentioned, the uh, head of the head of our area at Fox. Mm. Um, I, I'm sure he's told you the, the message he got from Roy last night about uh, say it. Tom Brady's <laughs> what three hundred and eighty million dollar <laughs> contract for ten years with Fox in the US. Yeah. Roy sends that message through to, to Cruels last night saying, with that headline saying, boss, we need to talk. <laughs> well, on that, oh. these things will pop in our head. What did he do with his negotiation? Remember he was negotiating oh, with Fox? Oh, mate. When, what, what did when he Fox, do? When Fox got the cricket rights and <laughs> I was very humbled, as you were, to be approached by Fox to be a part of this new Brand new cricket channel, twenty four seven. Anyway, we're trying to build the team. We were, were on. I was like Jerry Maguire on the phone, <laughs> ringing around people, going, "Oh, come on board, come on, come in." And Roy, we wanted Roy just because because he was you know, Roy. Mate, he was Roy, but uh, he's he's much more articulate about cricket than what anyone would believe. Yeah, and that was shining through in his commentary, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. Um, so naturally beautiful, but he had a good cricket brain. But anyway, we wanted him and. You know, stale. So, mate, I'm not going to talk money with you. You've got to leave that with crawls. But uh, <laughs> so off the negotiation starts and <laughs> I think crawls got to the maximum out he could offer Roy. And then I got a message from crawls that was forwarded on Roy's last message and yeah. says, I think he said, we're close. Can we just squeeze the lemon one more time? <laughs> just squeeze the lemon. <laughs> Another squeeze of the lemon one more time and we got there. But uh, I don't know whether he got that last bit of lemon juice out of Steve Crawley, but um, but we were very fortunate to have him as part of our broadcast crew. And, um, yeah, that's, that's Roy, isn't it? Just the larrikin. <laughs> just um, squeeze the lemon. Just, he, he just made uh, whatever, wherever he was, he just made it fun, yeah. did he? Yeah, he did. Where are you gone? Oh, I was going to say, in a, in a change room after you've been beaten, he hurt as much as anybody about a loss, but he naturally led you out of the doom and gloom. But he didn't do it in a false manufactured sense. It was just a very organic, natural transition from the, the disappointment of, of a loss to, to, you know, mulling over it, working through it a bit, but then somehow you find your way out the other side and... Uh, that was the beauty of him, and that's oh mate, oh, oh yeah, I just keep thinking about play like punter. How much punter? You know, you, you know, he was such an integral part of Roy's story, wasn't he? Oh, I think without Rick, was then, he? then Roy probably wouldn't have won those two World Cups. No, 
No, he wouldn't have been on the plane if Punter didn't fight so hard for 2003. So explain that to us. People won't realise that. And and obviously um, Laura, his wife, and his two kids, Billy and Chloe, I should have said it at the start, but as I said, this is not a professional operation. This is just two blokes chatting about a bloke that the country loves. Um, yeah, tell, tell us about Rick's relationship with him and the fact that he basically... He, he was an integral part in Roy being where Roy got to and winning as World Cups, by the way. Yeah, he just backed him. He believed in him and, and he, punter, is as good at spotting talent as any in the game. Uh, and, yeah, and then the technical side of it and the tactical and everything about punter. And, but Rick knew that what Roy had threatened and, 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 and shown glimpses of, threatened to deliver and shown glimpses of up to that point, in his career, Punner knew that he could extract all of it out of it. He could squeeze the lemon of Andrew Simons <laughs> and get plenty more juice out of it. Um, so, yeah, I think the selectors at the time were arming and ahhing um, about whether Roy is going to ever deliver on that potential. And he just fought, you know, nail and tooth to get him in that squad. And, of course, the night before that, First game against Pakistan at Johannesburg, we find out that Warney's out due to the drug oh, situation. Diuretics, yeah, of course. So we deal with it that night. The cricketing world didn't know about it. Um, and that news breaks the next morning. Fortunately, we as a team were able to just focus on the cricket, but the top order didn't focus that well. And myself and Ados were all, anyway, needless to say, we were in. We were in a bit of trouble and it was Roy that went in there and scored one of the great hundreds. Oh, this is against Pakistan, wasn't it? Th- against this Pakistan. was like the birth of Roy, wasn't it? Right. He he flipped that game on its head. Um, you know, and that was a decent bowling lineup against Pakistan, but he just took them on and gets a hundred, hundred and fifty probably, was it? Or it was a big hundred, hundred and forty maybe, and and we win, win the game and go on and have an undefeated World Cup, yeah. history making World Cup. So <laughs> You're right, that really stamped his name as a world-class player. Uh, yeah, it was just he was, his talents. I mean, before his time, how wouldn't you imagine him just peaking now oh. in 2020 cricket? Can you imagine, I often talk about this with Junior, what would you be worth in the IPL now? And you've got to push him and prod him and he won't give you an answer. Then he eventually says, ah, oh, 2.93 is what Junior <laughs> reckons. If you look at Roy, I was talking to someone today, you're right, mate. He was bums on seats, but he was bums yeah. on seats just to watch his fielding. Yeah. Like whether it was in the in the slip, in the cover, running people out, or in the outfield. Like just his fielding. We'll, we'll talk about the man and we'll swap some stories. But as a cricketer, just watching him field, mate. Like yeah. you, you, well, you saw it as wicketkeeper. Like he, he was just like this from the outside. He's just this bloke prowling around in the covers, and then he bang, bails would be off and run out. Yeah, yeah. Well, between him and Ponting yeah. working in, yeah. Backward point and forward point, extra cover. Um, yeah, just the athleticism of him. He was just a, the perfect specimen, just um, strong, uh, but agile, you know. Um, his throwing arm was as accurate but as powerful as any. He could field out in the deep. He could do it in close. He could catch in the slips. Uh, yeah, his skill set was just phenomenal. And the fact that he could bowl some medium paces and then halfway through an over go to some off spin huh. and do it equally as well. Um, 
I, I haven't today much stopped to really think about the cricketing exploits a lot. No. Funnily enough, it's more the the person and the and the mate that I'm thinking of, but the cricketing ability and what he contributed is pretty pretty fascinating, really. It's, well, he's um, unique, wasn't he? Like, there's not there hasn't been many like Roy that have played for Australia. They've rolled out there with the baggy green and the dreadlocks on and brought up his first yeah. Test hundred with a six and had the zinc cream on and you know like. <laughs> The first thing people think of, I guess, is the streaker. <laughs> you know, when oh, old mate ran yes. onto the ground and then <coughs> bang. <laughs> and again, that's why he's cold hero because people Absolutely. love that shit. They love it. But I think you're right. I think Roy just reminds me and everyone of why we play sport. Okay. But I think Roy was frustrated by how we or people or coaches or administrators could confuse things. It, it, it was a very simple philosophy for Roy. It was just play it because you love it, train hard, play hard, party hard, and then dust yourself off and go again. Uh, don't overcomplicate it with anything else. So, you know, that streaker scenario, that's a no-brainer for him. He's running at me. <laughs> he shouldn't be out here. He's going to take him out. Bang. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> oh. When, when – um, well, I'll tell you first my, my memory – no, you tell me first when you uh, cast your mind back, where, where did you first come across, Roy? Can you remember? Can, you're normally pretty good at this type of thing. Clearly, clearly I can still absolutely vividly picture him at, at Hurstville Oval yeah. in Sydney, yeah. in um, in suburban Sydney playing. I was playing for New South Wales Colts. Right. And he was 12th man for the Queensland Colts. Okay. And so he's a few years younger, about three, four years younger than me. So he was, you know, he was about... 16, I think, and we were all sort of 19. And he just walked out and there'd been a lot of, oh, this is that young young Simons fellow that, you know, that big raps on him, big raps. But anyway, he didn't play that game from memory, but he was there. And I just simply remember the white lips with the zinc cream. So he, he had the zinc at that stage? Absolutely, yeah. He had the full zinc round top and bottom lip. <laughs> and I, I was just, I'm never thinking, Jesus, he looks like an athlete, looks like a mover, but... um so that's the first time I ever saw him or met him. I didn't have much to do with him that day. Um, and then I, you know, he very quickly drew attention and then all of a sudden, of course, he was in the old, uh, you know, is he going to play for England or is he going to play for Australia? Of course. Which journey is he going to go? And, and when that discussion started for him, he was a long way off playing for Australia. Mm. He was, you know, and he was one of those who, who – and by virtue of that became a very easy target for a lot of experienced first-class cricketers just to sort of that old mate. Oh. To, Even though it wasn't Roy's, Roy's doing. To give it to it's him. It's like, um, yeah, you're getting a bit ahead of yourself, aren't you? <laughs> like, and he copped it. It was a hor- horribly difficult baptism of fire in his first couple of years of, of state cricket. Um, the, fir- but, the first, I can, I can remember this. When did you see well, first? Yeah, I can clearly remember this, mate, because so many of our stories and our relationship started with the Big Bash at Channel 10. And I remember yeah. Dave Barham, I don't know how many years we were in. Um, I don't know. What, we've been three years in when Roy appeared on the scene, I reckon? Three of the five? Yeah. Something like that, I reckon. Yeah, probably, probably, yeah, he probably had three years with us. So yeah. it would have been year three, four, five, probably. And, and as always, it was Dave was like, okay. Um, where, you know, Roy, it's, people love him for a reason, but let's find out why, let's get the best out of him. But, you know, he's pretty quiet. I, I'd never I'd never come across him before. I don't think I'd met him before the first game. I think it was at the Gabba. 
Um, but like everyone, I loved him and he came in with a big smile on his face and I naturally thought he would be a really sort of talkative, exuberant type and he was an exuberant <laughs> type but he just didn't say much. And yeah. remember Dave saying, you know, just sort of, you know, spark him up and get the best out of him. <laughs> I think we come to the end of the power play, the old power play, six overs in, and I reckon Roy said about three words. <laughs> and Dave said, mate, get him involved, get him involved. And I look at him and he's freaking sweating buckets. Like he's just <laughs> pouring off him. And it was like all of us. I reckon, to be fair, Roy's debut was pretty scratchy. Um, he didn't yeah. say much and he was like, he was packing himself, and I remember <laughs> I remember talking to him about it afterwards. And he said, "I've never been so nervous in my life. I, ju- I didn't know yeah. what to say. I didn't want to say the wrong thing. But I, I, it wouldn't have been till half. I can't remember what he said. But it would have been the halfway through the second innings, and he just said one of his Royisms, and it just sent me sideways. I don't know what it was about, but within the space of eight words, I reckon within the space of one sentence, all of a sudden." I had mates texting me saying, Roy's the best you've got. He's a guru. He's the best you've got. I'm thinking he didn't speak for the first power play. He he gave you one sentence halfway through the second innings and once again the nation fell in love with him. (laughs) Even more. Even more they fell in love with him. And then you'd be the same. You look on your roster and Roy pops up on your roster. I would know two things. One, we had to be there two hours beforehand yeah. and he would text you probably an hour and a half beforehand saying what time you're leaving for the hotel, mate, and you'd already be at the ground for half an hour <laughs> and that something weird would happen in commentary. Um, do you remember when um, – You know, that, you that first – his first one. <laughs> yeah. Because uh, I, I – well, whether – I thought it was that first one that I was on there too, but um, – or maybe it was the first night I was on with him. Right. But – we sat out in the Olsen where we stayed in Melbourne yeah, yeah, yeah. and had lunch. Yeah. So I'll have some bite to eat but, and then we'll head to the ground a couple of hours later, get ready, and we sit down and order us a beer. <laughs> no doubt. Like, Roy, what are you doing? <laughs> oh, mate, you know, just got to ease into it. <laughs> so I think that was him killing his nerves off. Jesus. There's a couple couple of big bash moments. I actually wrote down a couple of moments that I knew would re- relate to you. Um, I'll say this to you and you can tell the story. Gabba, <laughs> paint bucket. Oh. <laughs> this, is, this is the type of stuff Roy would bring to the table without even realising. He, he probably bought one of the top five Channel 10 big bash moments in the history of the five yeah. years we did it. Without even Just meaning it. Pre-game, that the bowlers get their little bucket of paint and mark their run-ups out and write their initials, paint their initials on there. Well, Roy was swanning around with really, trying to put putting shit on someone about something. With his you know, Brisbane Heat the hat play. on. Yeah, the cap on. Yeah. The chinos on. <laughs> and then he just backed back straight into the bucket of paint, didn't he? Oh. Big dope. And someone uh, unbelievably was filming it. And happened the paint, to be filming it. The paint went all over his boots. We would yeah. have run that vision in more often than Chris Lynn hitting yeah. sixes over the space <laughs> of the time. You'd get to a game and say, can you not roll that paint vision in again? Yeah. <laughs> you, mate, you, um, we'll get back to Ryan the Big Bash. I remember him telling me a story on the podcast, which I went and listened to again this morning and it, it yeah. I won't lie to you, mate, it made me bloody blubber like a baby, but he talked about the IPL. And, again, I haven't had time to do my research here, but 
I reckon you and Roy played together in the first IPL, yeah? Yeah, we we the first three years. So yep. uh, the, the auction went on. And remember nobody knew what the auction was. And I haven't got this word for word and there might be some artistic licence. But he went for uh, – he, he said he didn't really know what the auction was, turned his phone off, went to sleep, woke up in the morning – and there's all these messages on his phone. And I think you might have been playing a one-day international. Uh, certainly playing cricket training. the next day. Training. It was training, was it? Yeah. And I remember him saying to me that he didn't have time to really look at it because he was running late as per, and he thought it was something about a house auction. And he didn't know <laughs> what anyone was talking about auction. But then he arrives to see you guys where you will know this part of the story better than I. Yeah. Well, he, he went for the, the most money out of any of the Aussies and, and one of the top. Contracts across the board, I reckon, about 1.2. 1, 1, 1.3 million US. 1.3, yeah. Which he didn't which, know. That, I mean, that's starting to become a bit more common now with players in the IPL, but at the time, I mean, we were told leading into that IPL auction that some players could expect to earn, you know, upwards of three or $400,000 for six weeks of games. And, like, we were all going, whoa, Jesus. <laughs> and Roy, mate. Absolutely hit the jackpot, 1.3. And and not only that, uh, the best part about it was I looked and we were at the same franchise. So I just thought, that's heaven. <laughs> that so is absolute heaven. He, he talked he talked about coming training and Ricky saying to him, oh, mate, your shout. Yeah. And he had no idea what anyone was talking about. The high, He said all you blokes knew that Roy had gone for 1.3 million US and Roy being Roy yeah. d- didn't even know what the auction was. Yeah. No, that's absolutely true. He didn't. He didn't put a lot of value on materialistic things and um, and 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 money for that matter, really. But as I say, he had a simple philosophy and outlook on life, so he was never going to be, you know, waiting up all night to find out what's going on in that department. He, he, it was he, a, he needed his sleep. He thought it was a house auction, is the way he described it oh, to me. Yeah. So how will this? How will this? Ah, um, oh, geez. How, how will this news? How will it be received in? India, because again, they didn't just love him in Australia. They loved yeah. him in the IPL. Like you guys won a title um, early doors, didn't you? Yeah, in the we IPL, did. And he is part of that. We did. Uh, he was an integral part of that, massive part of it. Um, he clearly had that um, fractious relationship with India to an extent through the Harbhajan yeah. Singh scenario, but of course they then ended up playing as only the IPL could do. Yeah. They, you know. Play, playing together at Mumbai in, in the same change room. And That's the beauty of the IPL, isn't it? It is. And, you know, India just embraced him and loved him. He was on Big Brother in <laughs> India. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Now, I think the tributes to this bloke are going to be on par with everything we've unfortunately had to experience in the last six weeks or so. Um, you know, obviously, Warney's Warney, and that's. A reaction like that's probably never to be repeated, uh, and understandably so. But I think that the affection and and um, generosity of spirit afforded to to Roy is going to be the same, um, just because he, as you say, he's a cult cult mm. hero. And oh, what about? Oh, stop and reflect too much on his kids, but the effect that he had on kids was just mesmerising. Yeah. And I say that about his kids. I don't want to just stop and get bogged um, because the, that's the heartbreak there. But he was just, the effect he had on 
young children. They just, he made them stand tall and, and feel empowered. He just had that natural way, didn't he? He was just so natural in everything he did. Yeah. He was never going to be harangued or har- hassled or, or manuf- pushed into a manufactured manner. He just had that beautiful natural touch. Yeah, and the, the kids is going to be a, a difficult thing for us to talk about. I, I remember him talking about his young bloke having his baggy green, Billy having his baggy green <laughs> on his bedside table. Yeah. And I also remember Gilly as hard as he's to talk about He's telling me that he, he got his young bloke a bowling machine. I said, mate, he's pretty young for a bowling machine. He's like, mate, get fucking hot in Queensland. I can't be bowling 25 hours a day. <laughs> so he said, I just set it up and I have a can and I just feed oh. balls into it. <laughs> and the young bloke is happy as Larry. Um, <laughs> talking about beers, famously, I think it's two years ago now, it's definitely Fox, two years ago, I don't know if you remember this, the big fella... He lost his phone yeah. and, and our producer, Steve Hurston, was having kittens because yeah. we couldn't get hold of Roy and then Roy eventually turned up because he lost his phone. He turned up at Marble Stadium ready to go but the game was at the MCG. <laughs> <laughs> but he, he got there like five minutes before oh. and Herso, who Herso will listen to this and he's a great mate of ours yeah. and he had what I can only describe as a unique relationship and Roy getting one of those bear hugs and <laughs> they just had a bloody beautiful relationship. But I remember mm. saying to Roy, I might have had the next day off and he would have had the next day off. I said, oh, what did you do yesterday, mate? He said, well, I figured out I left my phone. I think it was at, it was one of those pubs in South Melbourne, whether it was the Golden Gate or whatever it was. Yeah. So I said, oh, what'd you, how'd you go? He said, oh, I went down there. It was opening at 10.30. So I got there for opening and asked them if they'd found my phone and they said no. I said, oh, what'd you do for the rest of the day? He said, well, I had to stay at the pub for the next 12 hours. Well, I said, why is that? He said, well, I didn't know. Someone could walk in with my phone at any stage. So he did a, He did an all-day oh. session in the hope that someone would wind in with his phone. Any excuse. Any excuse. Big <laughs> dope. God. Tell yeah. me about, um, tell me about, um, I'll whack something on at the start. Tell me about... His maiden test hundred with his um, with his mate Matty Hayden, and what that that meant to to him and your cricket team. I I think that moment, how he was, he, uh, without doubt, um, the most enjoyable, celebrated moment that I can remember by teammates for for a teammate. The feeling of satisfaction of relief that he's showcasing to the world what we all knew and felt about him, the fact that he it was like you could see the, the chains being just exploding off him, huh. just in, in self-belief. And, I, I, yeah, I just can't think of any moment where we all were, were, could be happier for, for one of our own. And the fact that Hados was out there was just that was poetic, that was written. And, you know, as I say, I go back to Punter and the belief that Punter had in him and, and the foundation that Punter laid for him to, to launch from. Uh, it, was, it was just magical. It was the magic and beauty of sport and, and, and fortunately and beautifully for us intertwined with the strongest friendships and mateships that you could ever hope for. 
Um, and yeah, oh god, that was um, that was crazy. And, and I think for all the accolades that come his way and all the write-ups that are going to come, it's going to be around white ball cricket that the focus will be. But he just desperately wanted to succeed in Test cricket, and he became a really integral member of of that team with his all-round skills for a few years there, didn't he? Um, Brought up the hundred with, with a his, six, like. A six like, to bring up ground. your first test hundred with us again. That's why he was cult hero. That's why he was loved. That's why he could walk yeah. to the MCG at a big bash game, and the crowd would be on their feet <laughs> because he was the bloke at the MCG that made his first test hundred with a six. Like yeah. it, it was wherever he went, mate. Wherever he went, absolutely. And yeah, but it was it was just the same, you know. That reaction of, as you say, you spot on when you walk onto the ground at commentating. Yeah. Or when we were playing, you'd walk out on the ground and the crowd just go ape. <laughs> just go, go, go ballistic for him and just, and same when commentating. So that continued on post-career, but it was like that, whether it was when he walked into the change rooms or if you're at a function and he walks in or into the bar at a pub when you're catching up with him. That's the excitement level of his teammates. That's what I remember. <laughs> it was just you knew your day was going to be better for hanging out with Roy because, again, I keep going back with such a simple, almost naive innocence about him that just made it refreshingly good because he was going to say it and probably not have thought about whatever he was going to say <laughs> and typically it was always <laughs> bloody funny and quite often it was very accurate. Um, Oh God! He just took took the piss out of everyone and copped it equally <laughs> in equal measure. But he terrorised John Buchanan. Oh, but <laughs> loved him unconditionally. Loved the man because he knew that John had helped, like Ricky had, uh, helped pave the way or clear the way for him and gave him the vision of what he could possibly achieve. But geez, he loved taking the piss out of Big John. Big John, he put it. <laughs> Impersonate everyone. He had a, he had a good boycott, didn't he? he what yeah, about? He, oh yeah, and he had a, his favourite. His favourite, as far as being a, a joker, was to call everyone by the wrong name. <laughs> so he wouldn't call me Adam. He'd call me Alvin <laughs> or what do you call Melinda, Hussie? my wife. Uh, Huss. <laughs> oh, he. Well, he ended up scoring him cricket, <laughs> yeah, and I think he pretty much. He and Freddie Flintoff can lay claim to <laughs> coming up with the moniker Mr. Cricket. What do you call your wife? But um, uh, Mel is Melinda. He called her Melanie. <laughs> and then that went the Melody. But he just, everyone, he'd always just subtly get it wrong. And a lot of people go, oh, no. It's, and he'd sort of have the last laugh. He wouldn't even say anything. He'd just look and just go, one to me, one to me. <laughs> what, about, what, about, what about the first night? And I reckon we were doing it together. I don't know. They mould into these games, mould in together. But what? What about the night the big boy for the first time pulled out his fielding algorithm? Oh Jesus! <laughs> in a in a life where we are over analysed and there's just too many stats coming out. The technology, again, the technology we have at a big bash game. Oh. You could launch a NASA rocket, but what did our man do? Our man. I said, it's a simple outlook on life. You got the pen out and a bit of paper. If someone misfields and they get two runs, minus two. <laughs> if someone dives, stops a four, plus four. 
he typically need to give it to someone else to add it all up at the end. But uh, yeah, yeah, lying on air, if he, he wanted someone to text him through the numbers, and then when, <laughs> and you and I were doing this when the bales didn't come oh, off. Oh, the bales, the zing bales, and it happened a bit. And why do you think this is, Roy? And it was due to the atmospheric and barometric pressure, <laughs> gravitational forces, gravitational. The gravitational pull or something like that. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and you just go explain oh. that, Roy, and he'd get himself more and more tongue-tied, <laughs> but there he'd push on down the rabbit hole <laughs> to the point where he weighed the bales and he was talking hectopascals he and all sorts. <laughs> oh, he's gold. I'm just thinking, oh, just thinking about him. Before 2001... <laughs> Ashes, we went to Gallipoli. One of my favourite photos is sit standing in a trench at Gallipoli and we were given slouch hats by Peter Cosgrove to, to take with us on this trip and she's got a beautiful photo of a few of us standing in that trench with our hats on and if ever there's a bite you, to use the term be in the trenches with, it was him. Yeah. Um, 20, 2005, we went to the Western Front. So we're in France. Now he's... Whatever, I think it might have been his mother or father was a French teacher. But anyway, he, he thought he was skillful in, in the lingo. <laughs> he goes, just leave it with me, boys. So go to the bar. Uh, excuse me. And you get a bit of tea, you go, uh, un beer. <laughs> and the, the bloke goes, what? And, and whenever, whenever he pours, like, he you give that, uh, 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 and then that was it. And his only other word, when someone wanted to get something out of him, he'd just stand there going, uh, and he'd say, I don't know if you remember, there was a, a French soccer player, David Ginola. Yeah. That's, that was his go-to, um, David Ginola. <laughs> <laughs> and he just had him baffled. They wouldn't have a clue what's going on. But, oh, Jesus, he was an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> when we when, <laughs> when we did the podcast, you said oh, I knew I wouldn't forget this. This is the first time we brought it up. Um, I hope that I hope people are enjoying some recollection of Gilly of his mate, and it's putting a bit of a smile on people's faces because we've sort of intimated that people would be devastated. But we didn't want to get tearful on this Gilly. We just wanted to, to celebrate him. Um, I remember him saying, no, I knew I had the podcast because I <laughs> had it written on the windscreen. And I'm like, what do you mean you had it written on the windscreen? And that <laughs> that would be his day. He had one of those markers that you can wipe off and he'd have his oh, ute. Yeah, the old whiteboard marker. Yeah, and he'd yeah. have his ute and he'd write 8.30 in pen on his windscreen, drop off kids. 9 o'clock, go fishing. 11.30, you know, pick up Laura. 2.30, Howie podcast, 3.30, pick up kids. Yeah. And that was his way of keeping track of his day because he'd never written down on the Ute winner. Now, that, that is quintessential Australian. Yeah. That, that, is, yeah. that is what we like to think <laughs> of yeah. as ourselves as Australians. Whether we are that anymore, I don't know. But, again, I think that's what it comes back to, that that's why people loved him because he was what we, many of us like to think is a typical Australian. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, uh, just want for nothing. Just basic, simple pleasures of life. Fishing. Uh, just go fishing. And for him, nature. Yeah, nature. Fishing, hunting, 
camping. It involved outdoors. It involved nature, didn't it? Um, how free you are? Just looking at my phone, mate, as we're talking, he, Cambo's just messaged. <laughs> Again, the, the this is This is Ryan Campbell. This is Ryan yeah. Campbell, so, you know, a close mate yeah, of Gillies, just, West Australian wicketkeeper, yeah. you know, lucky to be with us after a bloody a heart attack. Talk, talk about your phone. I, I wanted to... um. I wanted to play. I wanted to play this. It, it won't. It won't make much sense to you, but you you'll hear it. But just some of the words he uses. You you'll hear him use the word salubrious. But there's a bloke I played cricket with. And this is really taking people behind the curtain now. There's a there's a bloke I played cricket with, Gil, by the name of Bryce, right? And he idolises Roy. Like we can't play cricket. This is Bowenhead C grade. We can't play cricket. But you yeah. Know, Cricket's a wonderful thing and we get together and try not to do a hamstring and have a beer afterwards. Bryce is a young bloke and he idolised Roy and he looks like Roy. Like when you see him, you think Roy Simons. So I texted Roy, said, mate, it's um, this bloke's Bryce's birthday. He he loves you. Um, do you reckon you can just send him a video message because it'll give the entire cricket club, like we've got a cricket club WhatsApp, a massive lift. Yeah. So... I, I'm not joking. Three minutes later, on it, two minutes later, beep, beep, there goes my phone. I get this from Roy and I sent this out to the Bowenheads Career Club WhatsApp group and um, I saw it again this morning. Sorry, mate. And I, I read the messages on the back of it and mm. the lift that this <laughs> had given my little career club that a bloke like Andrew Simons would take the time to send a message to one of our own to wish him a happy birthday it was yeah. it, you. You have the power to do this, and I've seen you do it. But the lift it gave the little cricket community. Um, it, 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 I'm going to play it to you. I love the use of the word salubrious and the way he starts talking about his <laughs> his looks. But this is just fucking random. Roy sending a message to our man Brucey. Brucey, uh, Andrew Simon's here, mate. Uh, congratulations, mate, on your death bowling there last weekend. That was. Was outstanding, salubrious, um, <laughs> mate. I'm just uh, having a barbecue with a mate, uh, and uh, just mate, I just wanted to say, yeah, you know, happy birthday and uh, merry Christmas and all that sort of stuff that comes along with the job. <laughs> I know you're a very busy man and uh, get a lot of requests. Um, and obviously, uh, the other thing is, mate, uh, you, you you probably get. You know, hit up by the girls a fair bit. I, I, I know I do. You don't have a head like this and uh, not get asked a question. But, uh, mate, all the very best. You know, uh, may the death bowling long continue. <laughs> uh, and, mate, hopefully you can pass some of those skills on to the younger players. That'll be terrific uh, as an ambassador in your region. Right, mate, excellent <laughs> stuff. Uh, I'll catch up with you shortly, mate. See you, boy. <laughs> so that, that's that's for Brycey, who we always call Bruce. Um, that is an, above and beyond that. Uh, as an ambassador in your region, playing for <laughs> Bowenhead C grade, <laughs> and and I, I wanted oh. I saw it on my phone this morning, and I, I got a bit teary. But I won't go back and read you all the messages. But like I said, dear mate, it just it, he he just touched so many people with that two minutes of his time, and that yeah. I think to me that was that was what he was, the big unit. Yeah. He was, I mean, I can't believe he spoke that long then. <laughs> I can't his, believe his he knew the word salubrious. <laughs> oh, mate, 
<laughs> I, I couldn't quite. Was it was it used in the right context? Of course it wasn't. Probably not. Of course it wasn't. I, I wouldn't think so. I, I couldn't quite hear the start bit there, but yeah. No, nah, it was way out of context. Bloody hell. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah. um, I'm just trying to. Are you looking at photos on your phone? Oh. Oh, it's looking through the last string. I've been in touch with him over the last few weeks. So I was meant to be catching up with him on Wednesday with a whole bunch of the Queensland boys. And I'm just looking. He wasn't sure if he was going to get there. It's Chloe's birthday on Wednesday. And it's... Come. That'd be so missed. So missed. Well, you just can't figure out what his kids and his wife and his mum and dad. And <sighs> like we're, we're talking about it as a as a mate and as a much loved figure of the Australian and world sporting community. But as a as a dad, that's the bit that um, <sighs> I was chatting with him last week. Mm. And he was saying uh, about which he recounted to all of us and to uh, to you actually in that amazing day, uh, a, a tribute on that horrible day when, when news came through about Warney that you guys put together at Fox. Remember he spoke about how Warney was getting him over to Coach, be part of the setup at, yep. the, at the hundred at the London Spirit. Yeah, I do. And he was just telling me last week that he he was speaking with uh, the the management at London Spirit, and there was no nowhere in the budget that had factored in Roy a payment to Roy. Like there was no budget set aside. There was no nothing officially documented or. Warney was just going to pay Roy himself, huh. without telling his him. own pocket, without telling Roy this, without telling Roy at all. And Roy just came to light to Roy, and I've never heard Roy choke up and get too teary about too many things. Um, it's been a couple along the way, along the journey, but for that, that that just really set him back. It just for then having to reflect on the fact that he could never show Warney that appreciation of that generosity. And here we are in this situation. But Well, you, yeah, yeah was, I, you're talking about the names. He used to call him Sean, didn't he? Sean. <laughs> Sean, Sean Wayne. <laughs> Sean Wayne. <laughs> <laughs> he was a dickhead. He called the greatest <laughs> cricket of all time, Sean. And people would, like, he'd be in a room and people would look sideways, uh, wouldn't they? Why is he calling him Sean? Uh, um, it, <laughs> we, we don't want to. We don't want to double up on our grief here. But I, I did think that today's a day where you need the voice of Warney because mm. they had that unique relationship. Like Shane was Shane, and and even you that had played, you know, ten years and a hundred Test matches with him, it is still that. It, it's warning and some things can't be said. But for Roy, the, from what I saw, there wasn't that lo- line at all. He was just yeah. 
he didn't care who he was or how many wickets he'd taken. Nah. If he thought Warren needed a clip just out the Absolutely. side of his mouth, he'd give him a clip. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you're spot on. You're spot on. He was, he might have been a unicorn in that regard. He's about the only one who could say whatever he wanted. Yeah. Yeah. And get away Without with it. Without fear. Yeah. And, yeah. And, and people not to bristle about it mm. or, or get upset about it. They'd be like, oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay, fair enough. Yeah, that's that's true. That's um, <laughs> he was sort of like that. I mean, there was just no, there was nothing false about him. You know, it was just it was just splayed out everything naturally, wasn't it? Yeah. He um, he, Erica um, said to me this morning, we um. I think when we first started at Fox and Roy had just squeezed the extra lemon out of the de- the deal. <laughs> it, was, it was around the AFL Grand Final, and our our boss and we're lucky enough to call him our mate Steve Crawley got Erica and I tickets to the Grand Final. So it was twenty seventeen. So it was the the Tigers Premiership against the uh, Giants. Yeah. And uh, we get there, and unbeknownst to me, Roy must have, with the extra squeezing of the lemon, got Grand Final tickets as well for him and Laura. So we we were sitting next to them. Um, and he loves the footy and, you know, loves having a good time. So she was sitting next to Roy and, you know, he was going and getting the beers r- rather regularly. Um, yeah. But I remember him, um, I was sitting next to Laura and he was sitting next to Roy and I was only sort of part here in the conversation. There was obviously 100,000 people there. And he was saying, you know, he loves rugby league but he keeps an eye on all sports and, he's, you know, he's got a little bit of understanding of footy. I think it was the first time he'd seen a game of AFL live at the MCG grand final. Um <laughs> And I was hearing this conversation and 20 minutes later I could hear him breaking the game down and analysing it and saying to E, I think they should be doing this and this and why mm. are the Giants not doing this and this to counter this and this from Richmond? It was like sitting next to Caroline and Nathan Buckley on Fox footy. <laughs> and yeah. Erica's main takeaway from that, she said it to you this morning, she said, remember we went to the grand final um, with Roy and within 20 minutes he knew the game better than any of the analysts yeah. I've heard you work with, I, I don't know if you you saw that. He, he he must have just had an innate understanding of sport. Yeah, yeah. I think Does, right. do you relate you to that? The same with soccer. Yeah, can I can. Uh, and whatever the type of ball was that we used for warm up, be it a football, a soccer ball, um, you know, tennis, whatever, he he would adapt to that code with equal ease and measure. Um, yeah, he was just, I mean, he, he wanted to be a, a Bronco. He wanted to play for the Broncos. <laughs> he was training with them and, <laughs> but, um, but he could watch a game of soccer and, and have some decent analysis as well. But yeah, he just, again, it was just that uninhibited freedom of that, you know, being 10 or 11 or 12, just wanting to run away around. And, and he was the true meaning of trying to play with complete freedom. Uh, and, yeah, uh, I can I can relate to that. I can imagine him sitting there doing that. And, yeah. Oh dear, Simo. I got I got one more story for you. Um, I don't reckon you were here this night. This is up in Brisbane. This is last year, and someone else we're fortunate enough to work with, Kath Lochnan. It might have been near the end of the Big Bash season, um, and we were having dinner at that. What's that beautiful hotel in Brisbane? Is it the, the Khalil, is that, is that what it's Khalil, called? Khalil, yeah. Khalil, Khalil, whatever it is, beautiful yeah, yeah. hotel, um, beautiful hotel. And I was having a drink with Roy and Michael Vaughan um, 
you know, I was having a shandy, half beer, half lemonade. Those blokes were drinking what they were drinking. <laughs> and um, Kath walked down in what I can only describe, it looked like a nipple skirt. She had this black pleated <laughs> skirt on, looked like a nipple skirt. And and Vaughnie whispered something under his breath about Kath looks like she's off to play netball. And we didn't say anything to Kath. And then we sat down at dinner. Roy hadn't said anything. And I won't deliver it like him, but Kath went up to order some drinks and Roy said, no, no, you can't get up. And she said, why not? He said, because you can't leave your zone, Kath. <laughs> She's like, what are you talking about? He's like, you're goalkeeper. You know, you're not allowed to get to the zone to get to the bar. And he just, he had the entire table it's, and then oh, he just went back, had dear. another sip of his beer. It was that one <laughs> one line ability that Roy had, mate. <laughs> yeah. It's just so oh, – it was like a knife, wouldn't it? He was. He'd just and nail it. it. It'd be no malice. He'd just get it in and he'd get it out. Um, <laughs> so, mate, what, what – um, what, what, Yeah. What, what, I'm just trying, uh, thinking about that. The disappointment on his face when Ricky – told him he wasn't playing in Cardiff, that, that we were playing at 2005. We had a, a one-day international on the Saturday against Bangladesh in Cardiff. Yeah. And the night before we had a team dinner and then we, it was also Shane Watson's birthday, so we celebrated Watto's birthday at dinner. And then, you know, everyone that was playing went home to bed and, and the four guys that weren't playing, which of which Watto was one of them, decided to go and just have another beer or two with, for Watto just to celebrate, and, but, you know, nothing untoward. Roy got back to the hotel somewhere between 6.30 and 7 a.m. The toss, the toss of the coin was at 9 a.m. And, uh, I mean, there's a bit happened in between, but it culminated in we do a warm-up, run around the field. He goes to do the good old calf stretch. We're all doing it on the fence and he leans on a wheelie bin <laughs> and ends up flat in his face. He was – and that – but – but why bring that up? The look on his face of disappointment when Pana said, you're not playing, mate. He said, why? He said, you're drunk. <laughs> <laughs> he still couldn't understand it, but I must admit, I reckon when we were three for, Roy batted five, we were three for about 30 or 40 and I looked around and thought, it's now when Roy will be walking out to bat. And I turned around and he was absolutely dead to the world, asleep in the back corner of the change room. I thought, yeah, we made the right call there, but. Again, another case where oh, my recollection is the board, Creed Australia, wanted to send him home and punter fought and fought and fought to keep him there. And uh, he stayed there and ended up player of the series. Um, he was always so apologetic when he made his mistakes and he, he made plenty of mistakes, which we all do, uh, but he was always so wholeheartedly disappointed in himself and then keen to make amends and that's an example of it. He turned it around and ends up player of the tournament and that, in that series after being suspended for a game early. He, he did have that ability just to admit a lot of us struggle to admit fault. Um, yeah. I, I remember the famous incident when um, these things are popping in my head now. I don't know if we should be talking about this or now, but I think people are getting the gist of what we're trying to do here. Um, Give it a crack, mate. Well, Give when it um, <laughs> it's two years ago, when we were getting ready for a big bash game 
and I was doing it with Shane and Roy and oh, I can't believe that <laughs> we'll never do that again now. But for whatever reason, some guru back in base sent the wrong stream out and there's our conversation going out to the world on KO 20 minutes before the game starts. Oh, shit. <laughs> And, you know, they say, you hear it a million times, if a mic's in front of you, think it's live. But people have got to understand, you're doing this five hours a night for 28 out of 30 nights. It becomes like your lounge room with your two mates and you talk like you're talking with your two mates. And and Roy and Warney were having a conversation about Manus and some of his mannerisms and it could be a little bit annoying. Um, And... Unbeknownst to us, it's being sent out on Kaya for oh, every Jesus. punter to listen to it. And oh, mate, the producer, Timmy Hodges, who was in no way or shape at fault here, about an over in, he said, Oh, mate, we've got an issue. And um, the conversation with the boys has gone out to everybody. Mm. And this is between balls. You've got the little, so you've got to, for people to understand, you've got a little key you can key down so people don't hear you and you can talk to the. Producer, I'm like, oh, what was the conversation like? And remember Timmy saying, well, it wasn't good, but it wasn't as bad as it could have been. Yeah. It's like, yeah. righto. And then he said, I'm going to have to tell each of the boys. So I, I could see Warney get told because I could see the blood run out of his face. Yeah. And then he disappears out of the bo- back of the box to talk to the boss. And they apologised and everything was all right with Manus and it was another one of those storm in the teacups and the world moves on. And then, uh, so then it's just me and Roy in commentary and then Shane comes back in and then at this stage Hodgie's obviously told Roy. So then Roy comes out, goes out of commentary and then comes back and sits down and then we must have got to the 10 over break. And uh, and I, I'd really seen Shane like it. Shane was sweating bullets. Mm. And uh, <laughs> Wardy's like, you know, just a stream of F-bombs, darted up, what do you reckon, Roy? <laughs> and Roy has just looked at him deadpan and said, well, Sean, it's not good, is it? Joy <laughs> 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 gave him, well, Sean, it's not good, is it? <laughs> and And... and we can laugh about it now and it was a tough time for both of them and, and they both went through the ringer. But the yeah. understated, like Warney is the coolest bloke I know or knew, um, to see him in a lather yet to see Roy, yeah. wow, it's not good, is it, Sean? Um, not good. That was about as, uh, it's about as excited as Roy would get about something. Yeah. Nah, pretty unflappable, wouldn't he? So. Just take it in your stride. <laughs> I just. Again, scrolling through my messages with Roy, <laughs> it's amazing how many I've, like, you know, in the old text message. Yeah. So in, in the blue box that I've sent, they're all a minimum of five, six lines at <laughs> least, maybe ten lines of, of content. Yeah. And here's his reply, copy. Yeah, he was big on copy, or, wasn't he? I was looking okay, at the same mate. thing. Uh, Cheers, bud. I'd, I'd pour out this big emotional, mate. You were brilliant tonight. You brought insight. You brought humour. They love you. It's such a pl- I love working with you, mate. Check that. Yeah. yeah. Oh, oh. Okay, with the thumbs up. Copy. Yeah. Uh, 
What time should we be there today, mate? I've said five horse balls. So we've done a thousand of these games together. And he's replied, <laughs> copy, don't want to see you nervous tonight. I'm like, well, mate, we're at game 165. <laughs> copy. Uh, yeah. Well, uh, the longest one I could find here is back in July 2016. So that must have been when he, that next summer when he joined us. He says, mate, when we spoke in Mackay about commentating, were you serious? If so, who have I got to talk to? <laughs> <laughs> so that was the beginning of his uh, commentary career, I reckon. But... Well, I don't, I'm not sure what this one relates to. Tuesday, 19th of October. Um, hey, mate, what time are we on today? Uh, yep, 12 o'clock, 1 p.m. preview, you and me, donkey nuts, I've called him. He's gone, copy, and then he said, can you please drive it, mate, as I have seen very little cricket at this point. <laughs> <laughs> but no doubt, we're obviously talking about a pregame. No doubt he just rolled into that pregame and absolutely smashed it to bits. <laughs> copy, <laughs> copy, copy. <laughs> uh, so, mate, um, I don't have a, a thought out way to end this. I don't have a philosophical question. Uh, uh, what are you making of this? And it's my first um, real look at the world of grief. Before Shane, I've, I've lost people in my life but probably not at that impact and now I hadn't lost friends before and I'm very fortunate at my yeah. age to not have lost friends. Um, what have you made of the fact that, Two of your mates who you will have bonds with that the rest of us can't even comprehend due to what you've done on the sporting field. What have you made of the fact that they're no longer with you for that next text message or phone conversation or beer? Yeah, it's just surreal still. I, I really don't think the loss of, of Warney has truly kicked in. Um, maybe it, won't, might, it might take the summer for us just to realise what a gaping hole is left behind in the absence of what uh, it can only be described as a true rock star, a true box office um, entertainer. And that's Warney. And, gee, you'd have to put Roy in a similar bracket. Yep. Box office entertainer. Uh, but for, for Roy's, again, just loyalty, I think that's what, rings true. Once you were on with Roy, you were on for the full journey. And, uh, yeah, you just trust him and he, he, he would give everything back to you in that regard. So it, it is really, really hard to fathom that we're never going to see those blokes, talk to them again, get another message from them. Um, and I, I think just, you know, I can hear your phone going off, my phone's just continually still going now and, and the names that, you know, it's, it's not just within our circle of friends, it's my parents' friends or, you know, um, a young kid that we helped out at the Australian career team years ago who was really crook, who fortunately is, is well now and he rings uh, Adam Goods, um, Joel Selwood, those sort of names who are taking the time to touch base it because that's the type of effect that these personalities like Warnie or like Roy had on everyone else. So you, you're grieving and sharing it with it 
with the public because they were such enormous public profiles. But at the end of the day, it's just our circle of friends too, isn't it? It's, it's a really hard one to comprehend. And I know that, you know, at some point again this evening and tomorrow I'll be in tears. Uh, but then I'll also go through patches like we've just been through now, <laughs> just reflecting on the funny, funny stuff and the good stuff. Um, and we've barely spoken about his cricket. No. That show, that's a sign of mm. just what sort of character he was. With the, with the tears, here's a question for you. Um, it's not a public question. I'm going to ask it public anyway in the intimacy of what we're doing here. I tried to hide my tears from my kids for the first few days after Shane because I didn't want to upset them. Yeah. And uh, it got harder and harder to do. Um, and I told the kids, in fact, Erica told the kids this morning um, and they just sort of pat around you and put, mm. put a hand on your leg or whatever they may do. How have you dealt, you, you know, you've got a, a wider range of ages with your kids, but you've been at your young bloke's footy this morning. He's the same age as my young fella, so, you know, they're 10-ish. How, yeah. how are you going? Are you sharing your emotion with your kids or are you holding yeah. it to try and protect them? No, I really share it. I mean, it's a good point and everyone has their own technique or style or what they're comfortable with. But Yeah, but when you haven't done it, this is the thing that I've found is yeah. I don't know what is the right thing to do because, as I said, I've been fortunate to get to my stage in life where it hasn't happened. Yeah, my, I mean, that Black Friday, I'll call it, that, that Friday, the day in March when I found out at 6.30am about Rod. Yep. So, you know, for the kids, they knew who Rod Marsh was. They knew that he was a guy that I dreamt to be like and fortunately became a, a, a great friend and a mentor. He, he became that to me. But at the end of the day, for the kids, it's a bloke that's 74 yeah. and it seems really old yeah. <laughs> at that age. You know? and, and Rod, you know, there'd been a weak build-up and it didn't sound ever that he was probably going to make it through. So the kids were knew that I was sad uh, and I, I, I don't hide my tears or my sorrow or my grief, but I, it wasn't too bad and it was, it was nice to sort of know that they were there just comforting me. But unfortunately it was uh, Archie, our 15-year-old, who broke the news to me about Shane that night and he was inconsolable. He was just a mess because that, that became real. He knew Shane. He worked on leg spin with Shane. He engaged with him and um, and funnily enough, my 20-year-old son was out at the pub. He came straight home. My d- daughter was having a sleepover at a friend's house. She rang and asked if we could pick her up uh, and little Teddy was was in bed already. But um, uh, the fact that they just wanted to come back home together and just be as one, they were all very upset. Uh, and there was a bit of that again this morning, to be honest. Um, but I, yeah, I don't know if there's no rhyme or reason to it is or how rule be on how to do it, but it's the valuable lessons. Um, and I think we've got to appreciate the strength of friendships and the bond of mateship, um, how fortunate we are that we've got those feelings for other people and, and that we, take the opportunity to, to share that and, and um, 
and, and hopefully let each other know, let others, let people know how we're feeling. It's the old, old adage, uh, once they're gone, it's too late. So maybe it's a good lesson in trying to improve on that aspect, which is it's tough in busy lives. We all get caught up in it, but it, they're good reminders and it's wonderful that it's beautiful people like Roy that allow us to, to reflect in that way. Yeah, mate, it's spot on as always. You summarise things beautifully. Um, uh, people listening hey, to thanks, this. Hey, thanks, mate. Yeah. Um, thanks. I've really, I've re- it's really helped me through that. I've been thinking about this all day since you threw it to me and I've um, been hard it should or shouldn't be, but um, I don't think anyone can, can criticise two mates reflecting on a, a lost mate and, you know, as you mentioned, to, to Laura and the kids and Barb, it's mum. Uh, yeah, there's just so much love out there for all of them and respect and I uh, appreciate how you for coming up with the idea. It's bloody beautiful to sit and chat with you. Well, as I said to you, mate, hopefully it will make you and me feel better and it's made me laugh for the first time today <laughs> thinking about the lunatic, but hopefully <laughs> people out there... Um, that love the man as much as we do, that will have met him and had a photo mm. or shared a beer with him. It's put a bit of a smile on their face in what's been a, you know, just a, a tragic circumstance. But as always, mate, it's nice to see a smiling face. Um, stay safe. Thanks for having a chat, mate. Um, I love you and I will see you soon. Yeah. Hopefully we'll be talking next time in better circumstances, mate. Yeah, I love you too, buddy. Thanks, mate. Rest in peace, Roy, mate.